All right, if you've got a Bible, turn to Amos chapter 1. If you come to Amos, you realize that uh, it's, a, it's a minor prophet, so it's in our section where we have minor and major prophets, um, historical books, poetical books, the, hist- you know, the minor and the major prophets. Uh, minor and not the fact that it has a little impact, but minor in the fact of the length of the book. That's how we categorize our prophets' uh, books, uh, major and minor. Minor has nothing to do with the impact, but has to do with the, uh, has to do with the length of the writing. And uh, he knows uh, I finished up Colossians. I always like to do New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament. My prayer is, before I die, to pray, preach through every book of the Bible. And so Amos was one that was on my list uh, for a while. And uh, as I got to studying it and, and realizing the impact he had in our life today and what it means uh, for us, uh, it, means, it means well. So uh, as we look to Amos, you might say, well, I know who Amos is. He started that uh, restaurant, you know, famous Amos. No, that's not, that's not the Amos that's in the, in the Bible. Uh, and if you did eat at Famous Amos, you probably wasn't very famous because it was a restaurant. But uh, Amos 1 is where we're going to start. I'm going to read the first two verses. Uh, then we're going to take some background looks, historical looks, and then we're going to take and see how we can apply some of it to our lives. So Amos 1, uh, verse 1 and 2. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, who two years before the earthquake. And he said, the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastors of the shepherds mourn and the top of Carmel withers. And uh, so when you come to the prophet Amos here, uh, we come to our world today, probably wouldn't feel much different. Uh, the north and the south kingdom, as we know, Israel had split. Uh, the people of God had split Israel uh, and Judah. Judah was the southern. Israel was the, the northern uh, part of it. And so both kingdoms at this time was very prosperous. Uh, they were uh, exploding. Uh, their uh, cities were exploding. They were expanding. They had extreme wealth. Uh, their, their middle class really grew to the majority to where there wasn't a lot of real, real rich, and there wasn't a lot of real, real poor. Everyone was doing well. Everyone was prospering north and south. And the kingdoms was transitioning from an agricultural time to a more commercial society. And they were experiencing the benefits uh, uh, that come with that. But they also experienced some problems and issues that come with that. And, and so both Judah and Israel at this time was uh, enjoying prosperity security and luxury and uh you know luxury abounded religion was popular um most people would go to the temple would be some sort of religious type of person would claim that they were doing something for god and uh you know israel flocked to the royal chapel at bethel judah celebrated its feast uh, enthusiastically both of them would call themselves moral um but the problem and the issue was they began to pursue the prosperity over pleasing God. They, they decided to start 
choosing the ways of the world or the prosperity of the rich and prosperity of the system more than God's will for their life, more than God's standards. And uh, much like in our society today, as, as the system is corrupt and yet it still gets a pass because if it produces the results of material wealth, then everyone kind of sweeps it under the rug and says, well, we're all doing good, so why open your mouth? Why say anything? Just go along with whatever's happening in the world. And so, as you know, God is not pleased with that. And in spite of their material success, all was not well with God's people. The outside looked good. The, the country looked well, but God saw something different. And God saw something in their hearts. God saw something of their character. God saw something of who they were and their worship before him. And, and listen, there was plenty, plenty of problems in all the lands that day. Amos is going to go on a tear here. He's going he's to go through eight Gentile nations as well. He's going to talk about those that are around him. He's going to denunciate the sins of the Gentile nations. He's going to denunciate them uh, very well. And Judah and Israel were happy. I'm sure they accepted the message because a lot of times it's easier to point out the sins in other people than to see the sins in your own self or own people. Uh, but when, when Amos turns to Israel and Judah, all of a sudden his, you know, his book stops, uh, stops selling. You know what I mean? His, his stocks went down. Uh, he was no longer filling the stadiums for people to come here and preach. Uh, his podcast subscriptions, uh, his Spotify dropped way down. Uh, his views on Facebook went way down. You know, hit. nobody really wanted to hear him anymore. Nobody wanted to listen to him. Nobody wanted any part of him anymore. And you know, that's what happens sometimes when you preach the truth, when you are willing to take a stand regardless of, a, of being popular. And Amos was that guy. He was that guy that God called to give a message to the nation of Israel, both Judah and Israel, to say, hey, it may look like you have it going on, but God says otherwise. And you've taken God lightly. You've taken his principles lightly. And you better be ready because he's roaring like a lion. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But who was Amos? Uh, I want to talk about two things. God's messenger and then God's message. God's messenger was Amos. They say, like, who was Amos? Well, the first verse tells us come from a town called Tekoa. And uh, it's a little town, probably six miles from Bethlehem, 11 miles from Jerusalem, uh, it was really a town on the edge of nowhere, really. I mean, it was, uh, would not be a, a place that you would want to visit. Uh, it would not be a place that was uh, of, of, of any significance. Um, literally, it was between the Dead Sea and the hills and the valleys. And really, it was just a small town, plain, simple place to be. And Amos, uh, as well, wasn't ashamed of that. Amos was not afraid to say he was from a small town. He was not afraid to say he was from a humble uh, place. Uh, matter of fact, he talks about eating the sycamore figs. He talks about taking care of the sheep. He talks about being a herdsman and a farmer. Uh, so he's working two jobs. He's working the fields as well. Uh, he's a shepherd from a small town of no significance other than when God calls him. And you would think, well, that's not very impressive, right? Why would God want to use a simple man like that? Why would God not use someone from somewhere with significance, with someone who has standing, with someone who has power? Because God loves to use nobodies. He loves to use nobodies. And we talked about this a little bit with Elijah, and uh, I wanted to transfer this over to Amos because it's so true. God takes nobodies from nowhere and changes the world with him. 
Like, like if you were going to draw up someone to change the world for God, it would not have been Amos. It would not have been Elijah. It would not have been Moses. But God's ways are not the ways of this world. It's not the ways of this world. And the Bible tells us clearly, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. So you think about it, God chose Amos and although he was poor, although he was from nowhere, although he was just a working man, he had a great view of God, and God knew he could use him greatly. God knew he could use him in a way that he couldn't use anyone else. And Amos wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't even a missionary. He was a humble, simple farmer and sheep's herder. That's all he was. And he was willing to let God use him, and he was willing to let God use him uh, against the political establishment of the Jewish religion people, and God chose him to proclaim the message that he had for his people. So God calls him to proclaim a judgment to Gentile nations and his own people. Amos had to bring the bad news to the neighbors, and he also had to bring the bad news to his friends and family. Listen, Amos had a tough job. Amos was a task that he had to do that most people don't like to hear but it's what we need to hear. A lot of times when you come to God, it's sometimes he wants to tell you what you need to hear instead of what we want to hear. And a lot of times for us as Christians, we get to the point where we want to shut off anything that criticizes or anything that judges or anything that brings any sort of shame or reproach or conviction in our life. But, but really, it's the way that God speaks to us sometimes, that God has to speak to us that way sometimes. And listen, Amos was the messenger. He was the guy who had to go tell them to take a stand. He was the guy that had to go say, you're not right with God, and God's about to do something about it. You, you need to change. And listen, Amos, Amos could have said, listen, God, I'm a nobody. I haven't been to Bible college or seminary. I don't have a theology degree. I don't know how to debate people. Uh, I, 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 don't, I can't do this. Amos could have said, surely I don't have the money. I'm working two jobs, make the ends meet. How am I going to do anything? Amos could have come up with all sorts of excuses. But, but Amos was willing to let God use him. And I'm sure he could have said someone else is more qualified. Someone else has more resources. Someone else has more things to do. But Amos was willing to allow God to use him, regardless of whatever God wanted to do with his life. And, and for you and for me, I hope you see the parallel for that. I hope you see the parallel for that for our country today. And if you think about our country today, I mean, is it not that we have pursued prosperity and wealth and, and in the name of getting along and unity, that Christians have swallowed a lot, of, uh, a lot of things and Christians have shut their eyes to a lot of injustices in the world? Have we have taken everything as a lump and said, let's just get along with everyone so we can all be prosperous, so that we can all carry it to the end? And now... Even in our world today, we see that starting to fall apart. We see what happens when you take absolute truth out of the world. Listen, when you take absolute truth out of the world, who is going to call sin, sin any longer? Because everyone does what's right in their own eyes. Uh, recently, I mean, if you could just go through the news and you could just hear some of the, the, the political and also the judicial branch and some of the other things, that, some of the stuff that we come up with. Um, in California, for example, a 24-year-old man uh, can have a relationship with a 14-year-old and there'd be no felony charges. I mean, how is that even possible? Like, like if, the, if it's 10 years difference, if there's consent, then it's not a crime. Listen, how do we get to, as a nation or as a people, to reason in our mind that that is right? 
How do you get to a people and a nation that when a baby can be born and up to two to three days decide if you're going to keep the baby or to, to abort the baby as well? And listen, it's not just, just, uh, just uh, side street or in the backwoods or on the sides of the city. This is mainstream America. This is America that is turning against God. This is America that no longer has absolute truth. This is America that has Christianity without Christ. This is America that has a justice system without the Ten Commandments. I mean, seriously, what do we stand on? What do we have? And yet, in the name of prosperity, in the name of getting along, in the name of trying to be uh, uh, just together with everybody, we've swept it under the rug. We've just accepted it. And now we're starting to see the fruit of it. And just like Amos here, God is looking for people. He's looking for people who's willing to take a stand. He is wants people like Amos to be able to take a stand at their workplace and say, that is not right. He's looking for people to take a stand at their school and say, that's not right. We're not doing that. That's not the way it should happen. He's looking for people who could take a stand in their church and say, we should be preaching God's word. We should be taking a stand for Christ. We should be doing these things. And regardless of what's happening or what's going on or how popular it is, that even in the midst of a situation like Amos was in and like we're in, we need to be willing to let God use us in a mighty way. And he may be a nobody, but, but, but you might say, I'm too busy. I work two jobs. Amos says, what's your excuse, right? You might say, I'm not qualified enough. I don't know enough theology. I've never had a degree. Amos says, what's your excuse? You might say, well, I didn't come from the right family. I don't have a pastor or a preacher that's a dad, or my dad's not a preacher. My family's not in a ministry. Amos says, what's your excuse? God says he wants to use you. He can use you. And no matter what excuse you can come up for, if God has an, a, a task for you or for me, the proper response is for us, yes, Lord, whatever it may be, use me. And Amos was a nobody. He was a nobody, but he was available for God. If you think about it, the only ability that you need for God to use you is availability. Listen, when I learned a long time ago that God can use a donkey, he can use me, right? Aaron likes to use the other, Aaron likes to use the other adjective to describe a donkey. But anyhow, if, if I'm just teasing. If God can use a donkey, he can use me. If he can use me, he can use you. If he can use Amos, he can use anyone. Listen, we don't get an excuse. We can't tell God no. And listen, it's not going to come from it's not going to come from the upper parts of the world. It's not going to come from the leaders. It's got to come from people like you and me who's willing to let God use us. Use us in our homes, use us in our communities, use us in our schools. And listen, it may not make a great impact. It may not make a world-changing impact, but it might impact our world. It might impact your marriage. It might impact your children. It will impact your grandchildren. And for us to stand like Amos and say, God, I'm available. I'm willing. I'm just a nobody. But I'm willing and available to allow you to use me in a mighty, mighty way. And Amos was willing. And this morning, I hope, as we look to our country, maybe your heart is moved. God, how can I do it? What can I do? Where can I help? I'm willing to let you use me. And listen, so God's messenger, then God's message, the second part of it. Amos writes in verse 2, The Lord roars from Zion. 
He utters his voice from Jerusalem. That's the capital. That's where he's saying from, from on high, from Jerusalem, he's roaring like a lion. Have you ever heard a, a lion roar? Uh, they say in the jungle, when you hear a lion roar, the next thing is your lunch or your dinner, right? <laughs> Think about it. A, a lion, when you hear a lion roar and you know there's no defense that you can have, it should send chills up and down your spine. It should literally stop you in your tracks to say there is something seriously wrong and I'm about to be consumed. What Amos is saying is God is roaring like a lion. He's saying enough is enough. Like, like my justice and my judgment is about to fall. He's roaring like a lion and it better frighten those who are in my path. I am roaring like a lion, and I'm speaking from Jerusalem, and, and he wanted to get the nation's attention, but he also wanted to get Jerusalem's attention, and he's saying it's thundering, it's rolling judgment from the house of the Lord, and he said, here he is, he comes, and, and we know part of the story from Elijah as well, that he sent a drought to, a drought to Carmel, uh, he wanted to bring people to their knees, he took all them people, and, and he's saying, here, here, here I am, I've tried everything to get your attention. I tr and it even mentions an earthquake later on. I've tried an earthquake. I've tried droughts. I've tried all these things. I've dried up your land, but you still won't turn to me. And Amos is saying, listen, God is roaring like a lion. He's trying to get your attention. He's, he's trying to get your attention. And many times in Amos, we're going to read later on, he's saying that he says two and three and four times, which is just a way of writing to say multiple, many, plenty of times God has given Many, many warnings. God has given many, many chances. He is long-suffering, and he is long-suffering with sinners, but yet eventually his patience runs out, and his justice must be uh, taken seriously. And you think about it for us as a Christian, how many times has God warned us? How many times has God knocked on our door? You just take it for us as a country in America. How many times has God tried to speak to us and say, wake up? A couple weeks ago, we uh, was commemorating 9-11, Patriots Day as they call it now. And you think about it, uh, there were several pictures on Facebook uh, that I saw. One of them was a picture of a fire truck. I was heading over a bridge, and it says it's the last time this fire truck ever went into the burning tower. It showed policemen. It showed, I mean, you name it. It, it had one after one after one. But then on national TV, before all of America to see, do we honor those people in what we call a, a, a profession of entertainment? Do we, do we honor people like that, or do we honor our country? Do we honor the right things in our country anymore? No, we don't. We, we, we take good, and we call it bad, and we take bad and call it good. And yet, for us as a country, how can we look at that and say, how, how well is it that we've stood down from truth, and we've allowed absolute truth to be removed from our country and we allowed what's right, and we allowed uh, one bite at a time over and over and over. And God has knocked on our door. He's knocked on our door. He's knocked on our door. Not just in our country, as well, even in our own life. You know, a lot of times in our own life, God knocks on our door and says, stop doing that. Don't act that way. Don't be that way. Stop. And yet, many times, it's not like a roaring lion anymore. It doesn't send chills down our spine. We take God, and we just say, hmm. He's not going to do anything about it. He'll accept it. He's just going to listen to it. He's just going to do it any way he can. And many times it might be a sermon. I heard of a joke this week reminded me of, of us. It said three men were deer hunting. As they crossed the field and going into the woods, a huge buck, buck jumped in their path. 
The man shoots the deer. All of a sudden, they're dragging the deer out, and there's three guys, and one game warden comes up. You know, they can ruin a hunt pretty quick, right? So he looks, and he says, well, there's three of you, and he says, and there's one deer. He says, one of you shot him. He says, any, any chance one of you is a preacher? And the guy says, yeah, well, actually, I am. And he said, you shot the deer then. He said, why is that? And he said, see, the bullet went in one ear and out the other. And that's exactly what happens when you preach. <laughs> it goes in one ear and out the other. And listen, many times for us as Christians, it's true. When God's message comes, it goes in one ear and out the other. As Christians, just like the nation of Israel here and Judah, they go to church, but there's no change. They, they hear messages from God's word, but there's no application. They, they hear about how they should be and what God's standard is and how they, how they should act and how they should change and how they should repent, but there's no change. It's Christianity without change. It's Christianity without cross. It's, it's live your life and God will accept you however it is, whatever you do, wherever you go. But yet, for us as Christians, it's simple. It shouldn't go in one ear and out the other. It should change our lives. It should challenge us. It should convict us. And we should change our hearts and change our lives. And when you look at the message of Amos, God has a message to be said. And he needs messengers to do it. Listen, God can choose any way he wants to share his message. But he decides to choose to use messengers like you and like me. And you think about our country and you think about our world in the wake of extreme prosperity and cultural acceptance. We've lost our identity in God. Listen, it's good to talk about, you know, the, it's easy to talk about the groups that openly defy God. We could talk about, I can name different groups, and you can get on a rallying point. You could talk about political groups. You can talk about social groups. You could talk about all these groups. But yet, when you actually talk about the church, when you talk about whole mainline denominations that move away from God's truth, when you talk about Christianities who say they believe in God, but yet there's no difference between them and the world. When you see our marriages, when you see our homes, when you see our standards, when you see how we treat people, when you see how our lives are no different than the world, that we've lost our identity, that there's no difference in the ways of the world and the ways of those who say they know Christ. It's a tough message to hear. But Amos is saying we need to hear it. Not that you, not that you want to hear it, but you need to hear it. And Amos says, no. He says, no, God stands. He's like a roaring lion. Like, like you need to take him serious in your life. There's impending judgment, and a righteous discipline better be taken serious. It's a warning from God. It's warning for God's people to get back on track for God. And if you don't, you know the impending judgment that will come. You think about in our, in our life. It's time for Christians to stop bending and stop bowing and start standing on the word of God. It's time for Christians to say, we believe in God. We believe in the Bible. We believe in God's word. And it's time for Christians to take a stand. And God's saying, I need my people to take a stand. Take a stand in your school. Take a stand at your workplace. Take a stand in your community. Take a stand in your church. Amos is proclaiming that God will not forbear his judgment forever. He's a roaring lion, and it better send chills down your spine, and you better get right with God. And our lives is so, so true. And as we begin this series, you know, in our own lives, I just thought about doing just a little checklist in my life. You think about your entertainment in your life. So one of the greatest ways the world draws you in is through entertainment. I don't know about what you watch on TV or what you don't. It doesn't get much further than Fox News for me most of the time. But anyhow, it does move further past that. But... But if you think about what you consume with your eyes, 
and with your ears. Would you say it was biblical? Would you say it draws you closer to God? Because that's a, that's a way that God begins, that's the way the world begins to conform you into his message, especially for our kids. And our kids have, in the palm of their hand, access to all sorts of stuff. They have access to all things of the world. Let me tell you, it, it's, it's a constant attack on their eyes and their ears and their heart. That's the gateway to their heart. They know that. And it's no accident that everything you have now is on an electronic device, all the way down to this tall, you know? You have kids two, three, four, six, even third grade, fourth grade have cell phones, access to internet, access to all those things. It's no, that's no accident because it's a war on our entertainment and what we consume with our eyes and our ears. And if you think about it and you write it down, you say, here's what I consume with my eyes and my ears this week. Would you think that would draw you closer to God or you think that's drawing you away from God? I love Dr. James Dobson. Uh, one of his stories he told about his kids uh, one time was they wanted to watch a movie. In this movie, he knew there were some cuss words in it. He knew there was really bad words in there. So his kids were saying, come on, Dad, it's just a little bit. It's not, there's nothing to it. And he goes, okay, it's a great time for an object lesson, all right? So he takes them in the kitchen, and he says, I, I decided I was going to cook some brownies for him." So he said, I got the brownies out, and I put everything in it. And he said, then I went outside uh, to where the dog used the restroom, and he said, I got one little teaspoon. He said, just a little teaspoon of dog poop. And he said, I went in there and I put it in the mix and they just, oh, that is so gross. That is so gross. And he said, it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit of dog poop in there. He mixed it up and he baked it. And he said, did you know what? Not one of his kids ate one of them. Not one. Not one kid would take a bite because they knew how disgusting it was. And he said, he told them, in your walk with Christ, if you, well, you need to get to the point that if it's just one part that's not godly in it, you should want to repulse it. You should be repulsed by it. You shouldn't want any part of it. And you think about what we consume with our eyes, what we consume with our ears. You think about what we consume for prosperity. What is it that you're willing to do to get more material possessions? You know, some people sell their families out for it. Some people sell their marriage out for it. Some people sell all that they have out for it, and they're going all out to try to make a little more money to get some more possessions so that they can have some more fun. Listen, for us as Christians, we got to draw the line and say, listen, I, I have to be with my family. I have to spend time with my children. I have, to, I have to reach them. I have to teach them. I have to be a part of their lives. And it's not worth the money. It's not worth the possessions. It's not worth those things. And even in our own life as well, not just with our eyes and our ears, or not what we spend our time on, but what we spend our money on as well. What do we put our money into? What are we, what are we pushing forward? And you know, in our, in our world, in our country today, you know, we're, we're such fattest that when anything or everything comes out, that everybody just wants to jump into it and just be a part of the crowd and say, I did it too, I did it too, I did it too. But yet, for us as Christians, we got to really evaluate and look at and say, is this really advancing the kingdom of God, or are we really not advancing the kingdom of God? Are we just going along with the crowd? Are we scared that one thing might turn us away at our workplace or not get us a promotion? Amos says, God is roaring like a lion. And he has impending judgment. And the people of God better get right because he's going to judge the nations. And if you're not right with God, you're going to get judged too. That's what he's telling the nation of Israel and Judah. 
And, you know, in our country today, we can't control what the world does, but we can control what our home does. We can control what our hearts do. We can control what our church does. We can control in our community what we can do, and our hearts need to be right. And just like Amos, if we would just take his warning and his heed and say, the Lord roars from Zion in this morning, could we open our hearts and say, God, what is it? Where is it? What's keeping me from you this morning? And maybe God's calling you to do something. Amos is one of those guys that, you know, when you look at him, you really can't come up with a reason why God would use him. You wouldn't say, like I said, you wouldn't say he was a religious leader. You wouldn't say he was really smart. You wouldn't say he had a lot of money. You wouldn't say he had a lot of influence. And for you, you might be using the same excuse for God. God, I, I, don't, have, I don't have a lot. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know a lot about your word. I can't do a lot for you. But for us as Christians, we don't, give, we don't need to give God an excuse. We need to say, God, whatever it is, wherever it is, you're calling me to do it. I'm willing to do it. By the way, I don't have corona. <laughs> I, uh, <coughs> it's, a, it's a time in our country when you're afraid to cough, right? Uh, but it's, it's not corona, by the way. The other day I got in a store in Lowe's, and I was checking out. I got a tickle in my throat for my allergies. I was looking at the lady, and literally tears were coming down my eyes. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, I got the cough. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't want to cough on you uh, as well. I love uh, Dustin told me a little meme. And, you know, Dustin, you'll really enjoy this. He said, you used to have to cough to hide a fart, but now you fart to hide a cough. <laughs> I, that's what Dustin said. Yeah. <laughs> so... I'm going to cough, but I'm not going to fart up here today. So anyways, that's safe to say <laughs> as well. But anyhow, I don't know how you got me down that road as well. But you think about it. In our country today, you look to the world, who's going to change it? It's not going to be a politician. It's not going to be someone that you, that's a great uh, leader, political leader, economical leader. It's going to be people like you. It's going to be people like me. It's going to be people like Amos. And, uh, and when God chose to use Amos, he knew what he was doing. And when he chooses to use people like you and me, he knows what he's doing. The question is, are you available? Are you available to allow God to use you any way that he can and to be a messenger for God, whether you like it or you don't like it? And this morning, may we be about God's message and be a messenger for him. Let's pray together.